This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 291. Sing on your inner voice, you start to understand what resonates with you, what makes sense for you to do, and then you can just get on and do it. And the other thing that you tend to discover as well is all of the excuses that, <laughs> that you're making, which include things like, oh, well, I'm doing lots of qualifications, or I've spent months tweaking my website, or I'm doing X, Y, and Z. You know, if there are not things that put you out there, then they're not really moving the needle. Because in order to progress your business, you need to be exposing yourself to the possibility of rejection. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about noise. There is so much noise out there. So many things trying to get our attention to help us see the right path to walk, the right thing to do. But the reality is what's right for this person might not be right for that person or for you. And while there is just a plethora of great information, what's the best information for you? Now that is a goal that I have for this show, to continue to kind of bring you resources so that you can determine what's the best fit for me. And that's exactly what Sarah Sabin and I are going to be talking about today when we think about breaking through the noise and really finding our own authentic voice. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. I'm Meg Rentschler. I'm the host of the show, also an executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And when I think about bringing information to all of you to help you break through the noise and also rise to the top, I It is my sincere hope and really passion that drives me that you're able to, through the resources of this show, rise to the top, that you're the cream of the crop. There are a lot of entrepreneurs out there. There's a lot of coaches out there getting their voices into the world. And because coaching is such an incredibly important and impactful opportunity for people uh, is my desire that we give you the skills you need to continue to grow in your competency, grow in your income so that you can continue to do this and do it in a way that really lights you up and lights your clients up. And so with that, if this is your first time visiting the show, I really encourage you to look over our library of shows and see where there are resources that can help you thrive. Because in our almost 300 shows now, there are there's probably topics on anything that you might be looking for. So I encourage you to go to starcoachshow.com and really search through, use a keyword search, use 
you know, look for what it is that you're wanting and explore those shows because they're there for you. This resource is there for you. And I really hope that you're utilizing it. And for those of you who have been longtime listeners, thank you. And if there was a show that really resonated with you, A, maybe share it with other people so that they know that that resource is there, but maybe re-listen to it. Because every time I re-listen to my guests' interviews and to different things that we've presented, I something lands on me a different way. So just encourage you to consider that. Now, if you're listening to this in real time, I want to make a quick announcement here that my very last mentor program for 2022 will be rolling out in August, but I'm enrolling for it now and it's already half full. So if in fact you need continuing education hours or you need those all important mentor hours for your credential or simply to build those muscles and to build your confidence as a coach, I want to invite you to explore that opportunity because I will say without reservation, people who come through the mentor program are thrilled that they did. They leave feeling more confident in their coaching and excited that they got to spend time building those skills with other like-minded individuals and that they get that individual time with me as well. So if you're interested in exploring that, starcoachshow.com slash mentor, starcoachshow.com slash mentor, and uh, explore that because you know, we've got to get those hours and many of you need to get those hours in before December. So just to to give you a little heads up about that. Now let's get into what it is that we're talking about in today's show. My guest is a delightful coach who transitioned from corporate life to full-time entrepreneurship. And many of you listening have done sort of the same thing or have a dream to do the same thing. Sarah founded two startup companies and built a multi-six-figure coaching practice working with successful leaders and entrepreneurs of their own high-growth seven-figure businesses. Now, one of the things that you'll learn in my interview with Sarah Sabin is that she writes regularly. That's one of the ways that she builds her credibility. She builds her visibility. She writes for Entrepreneur Magazine as part of their leadership network and for the Fast Company. Now, Sarah will share in our interview today that she built her business through trial and error. And that's kind of what we have to do sometimes, get out there and experiment. And we're going to talk about some ways that you can experiment. And she gives lots of great examples today about how to best use your energy to get clear about the result you're looking for in your marketing so that you bring in the kind of responses that you're looking for. Over time in working through her trial and error, Sarah realized that simplicity and less is more is really what worked well for her. And that's what she's going to encourage you to consider through our interview today. She helps other coaches and consultants build their businesses through a personalized version of her own proven roadmap to success, and then really helping people select those two to three core relevant strategies that help them soar and build high value coaching practices, working with people that they really love. And that's what we're going to zero in on today. I just love this interview. 
loved Sarah's beautiful London accent. And I invite you to explore how do you find your own voice through all this noise through this interview. So let's go to my interview with Sarah. Sarah Sabin, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while now. So excited to be here. You're joining us from London, which I'm sure is beautiful. And so thank you for taking time out of your day to share your wisdom with us. We're going to be talking about all the noise that's out there and how do we break through the noise and find our own voice and build a business that allows us to have the kind of impact that we want to have. So important. And what I'd love to start with is learning a little bit more about Sarah. So what's led you to do the kind of work that you do? So (laughs) I'm going to put this story into a nutshell, because otherwise I could probably waffle on about this for an hour. But the nutshell version of it is I've changed career multiple times at this point in my life. So I started my career as a tax accountant. I then went to work in a multifamily office where I was working with high net worth families. And kind of two years before the end of my corporate career, I co-founded my first startup. I left the corporate world at the end of 2015 to become a full-time entrepreneur. And that entrepreneurial career has incorporated co-founding two startups and consulting for startups before I came to start my transformational leadership coaching business. And how that came about was completely by accident. I was completely anti being a coach up until about three years ago. But my second startup was just so traumatic for me. So I had chronic stress, anxiety, I nearly burned out twice. And it all culminated with an investor making a big investment offer. And I just couldn't accept the offer because... I was like, if I accept this, I know I'm headed down a dark path, which probably looks like a nervous breakdown. So everyone thought I was mad because I'd built up a team at this point. I'd got traction in the business, et cetera. You had somebody Um, who wanted to invest. Yeah, yeah, that too. And I'd already had investment to build the original tech platform. But anyway, in any case, I knew it was the right decision to walk away. And basically, I forbade myself from starting any new business for a period of two months. I was like, right, I'm just going to clear my head and actually pick something I feel passionate about that I really want to do. Because I started the startup journey. It was a bit of a vanity project. (laughs) Let's be honest about it. And that's good insight for you to have through that journey, right? To learn from it and say, okay, that this was my motivator. And maybe that's not the motivator I want to use this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this has all been a learning curve and I don't regret anything in it because it's brought me to where I am. But basically in that two month gap, I came across transformational coaching. And for me, it was so life-changing. I was like, wow, (laughs) I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know that coaching you know, coaching the internal world, changing your perceptions, changes everything on the outside as well, because it magnifies the impact of the actions that you take in the outside. And I was like, wow, what if I could make this into a business? And uh, long story short, (laughs) long story short, that's what I did. I had a rather unusual start because I made 
I think I made like £10,000 or about $13,000 in literally my first few months of the business. And I, w- I genuinely wasn't even thinking about money at that point. And the time when it started to go a bit wrong mm-hmm. was when I started letting in all the outside voices and outside noise. And then that led to a, which I had to get myself out of. I, in, for someone not watching video, I just did a kind of yeah, a, dr- a drop, <laughs> yeah, like just drop. into a drop, yeah, <laughs> a drop action. Um, so I mean, for me, like it just felt like a calling, a passion, and not making it into an abundant business wasn't an option for me. So failure was not an option because this was not a vanity project for you. This was a passion project for you. This was a. I know I can have an impact and make a difference and and I want to help people transform. Therefore, I'm not going to make a drop down. I'm going to figure out how to recover. And that's basically what leads to our discussion today. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. And I think mm-hmm. just to preface that, the recovery story, I actually hit six figures in about 15 or 16 months from starting the business. And that was actually when I started really focusing down, doing the internal work and uh, going after the clients I really wanted to work with. So I did that working with uh, leaders and successful entrepreneurs, which is what I always wanted to do, but I told myself I couldn't. So you're giving us a peek into some of the things that we're going to be talking about, because we're going to be talking about the fact that there is lots of noise and all there's lots of gurus who are giving us advice about what to do. And the reality is, Many times, different gurus have different advice. So if we get all caught up in, I've got to do what this person says and what this person says and what this person says, we're just going to kind of be frozen in overwhelm or frozen in, we can't do it all, right? So we're going to be talking about that today and that your true passion is really what leads to impact. So through that, we're going to be talking about some do's and don'ts, right? And when we think about the key message, you, we right before we started the interview today, we talked about the fact that there's so much noise that that can lead to difficulty of hearing your own voice. What do you want to share about the concept of the importance of hearing your own voice? So you can't underestimate the importance of filtering out noise. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't ever listen to anyone or you should never have anyone help you. No, because there's good advice out there, but... But be careful who you listen to. Stop comparing yourself to everyone else. There are, I talk a lot about focus and yes, that's important. But even at the different business stages that a business goes through. So if we're talking about like the really early stage of coaching, where you're trying to build up to six figures there are a number of things that you could do that make sense for you to do as well. So there are certain things that don't make any sense at all, certain things that do, but even among the things that do, what do you resonate with out of that? You know, because you don't have to do everything, just focus and be consistent. And if you're focusing on your inner voice, you start to understand what resonates with you, what makes sense for you to do. And then you can just get on and do it. And the other thing that you tend to discover as well is all of the excuses that, <laughs> that you're making, which include things like, oh, well, I'm doing lots of qualifications, or I've spent months tweaking my website, or 
I'm doing X, Y, and Z. You know, if there are not things that put you out there, then they're not really moving the needle. Because in order to progress your business, you need to be exposing yourself to the possibility of rejection. Ooh, that's a biggie. And if you're not putting yourself out there, people aren't knowing what you have to offer, both people who are going to say yes and people who are going to say no. There's going to be both sides. Not everybody is going to say, Sarah or Meg is exactly who I want to work with because there are lots of different people, but people aren't going to know about you if you're not out there. So one of the things you talked about are, you know, tuning into your internal voice. And when there's lots of noise, do you have any techniques or advice of how to even hear that voice through the noise? So number one, ask yourself the question about why you're doing something that you're doing. So are you doing it because you should be doing that? Again, if uh, you're listening to this on audio, I'm doing air quotes. Or are you doing it because you really want to be doing that particular activity? Ask yourself if you're just doing busy work to make yourself feel better and tell yourself that you're moving forward. And then once you've done that and you've answered those questions honestly, really sit down and feel into those questions because we all know at a deep level when we're just doing something because we feel we should. The reason, for example, why I started doing a million things at once, even though I had something that worked really well at the beginning, was because I felt I should. And what it did was took away your momentum from what the beginning thing that was getting results. And then I should do all these other things. And that actually diluted what you were doing. Yes. So what I found was the more I did, the less results I got. Oh, that's so interesting. And that's how, if you're doing that, right, and you feel exactly like that, I'm doing more and more and more, and I'm doing less and less and less, getting less less Mm -hmm. and less from it, then that is the time to sit down and review, okay, why do I think that is? What is my inner voice telling me to do? Am I just doing this because it feels comfortable and safe? for me to continue doing this. Right. We can be busy all day long and doing all sorts. And if it's not moving the needle, if it's not getting you any results, then to Sarah's point, really review, what is it that I'm doing? And am I just doing things because I feel like I should or have to, but what's it bringing in for me? Because you will see the results of work that is actually moving the needle. Yeah. Yeah. And you will see the results of work that is aligned to you. And I'm not saying it will, the results will be instantaneous. You might have to tweak and refine things. But for example, writing really resonates with me. Mm -hmm. So I always knew that I wanted to get my written, (laughs) my written word out there. Mm -hmm. So I started writing for major publications. I found a way to get in there. For other people, they just love video. So again, if you can play to your talents and then build your strategy around that to proactively reach out and get in front of your target audience, but it's actually the proactive reaching out and getting in front of your target audience that is the scary bit, (laughs) because that's the bit where you may get rejected. Right. So using you as an example, 
you write for magazines like Entrepreneur, and uh, there's several publications you write for, but you had to get your written word in front of them. And they might very well say, sorry, Sarah, this isn't what we're looking for. Or it, now that didn't happen. I mean, I'm sure you had both rejections and acceptances, but you had to make yourself vulnerable enough to get your work in front of people. Yeah, absolutely. Anything where you're putting yourself out there, there is that possibility of rejection. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about this, the importance of being proactive about reaching out and being strategic about that. So I know where my people hang out, right? (laughs) I know what kind of stuff they read. I know where to message them. I know what kind of venues they hang out with. And you design strategies around that that play to your skills. But, you know, if you're just posting on social media, like even if it's on every platform and hoping for the best, that's not a strategy that's posting and hoping for the best. Right, right. So that comes down to, you said, I know where my people hang out. I know what they're looking for, what kinds of uh, information is important to them. And I'm creating a strategy around that. So what would you say to the audience for people who are like, well, how do you know where your people hang out? Like what, how did you get that clarity? So it's sometimes trial and error, but you have an inkling anyway. You always do, right? So for example, when I was building up the leadership coaching business, the people that I tended to work with were far too busy to be on sort of Facebook and Instagram all day. They're on LinkedIn, they're on LinkedIn doing business. They're on there posting about their companies. For me, that seemed like a good match. If, for example, I wanted to target female uh, leaders, I might look at places where they spend time, conferences, networking events. They're also on LinkedIn as well. And how I can proactively form partnerships. Again, that's that proactive reaching out. Right to start getting my services in front of people. And in the beginning, there was a lot more of the creating what I call coaching experience sessions. Okay. To get in front of those ideal clients and give them a taster of your value. Oh, sorry, my value rather. Right. Um, But this is a great example. So how would you do that? So let's take example of female leaders. Right. Let's say there was a particular place where they would hang out. Now, if I was to contact that venue and say, hey, I offer a workshop on this particular topic, can I come and do that for you? They would say yes or no. They would ask further questions. You get yourself in front of them. You do a workshop offering value. And then at the end of that, you make an offer. And then people have the opportunity to either further engage with you or to go home and maybe they come back to you later, or if they don't resonate with you, that's cool too, because (laughs) not everyone's going to like you all the time. But when I started my business, so the, the strategy I was talking about right at the beginning, I literally just reached out to my network and designed a coaching experience session. And at the end of that offer, and then a certain percentage of people accepted. But it doesn't really matter what you do, right? Yes, you need to find out where your audience are and do some further digging and research on that. 
and you need to ask around to validate that. But then you need to think, okay, well, what is it that I want to do to offer some kind of value and start building relationship with these people? And then that's how things start to gain momentum. Right. So pick, a. am hearing you say, whatever it is, whatever it is that resonates with you, whether it's doing videos and getting out there or writing for publications to build your credibility or creating those discovery sessions or those coaching experience sessions so that people can experience what that's like and inviting people into your world to work with you. Pick a couple of things and really work on those things versus deluding yourself into doing so many things that you're not kind of doing what really speaks to your passion and to your inner voice. Is that is that an accurate summary? Absolutely. Put way better than I put it, Meg. But yeah. No, I think that um, you did a beautiful job. I love that you used yourself as an example through that. I think just to build on that a little bit more, you should not be doing more than three marketing activities at the beginning of your business at any one time. And you should also know what you expect to get from that marketing. That's also a key point that I don't hear that many people talk about. Do you want short-term marketing or do you want long-term marketing? So the difference for me is short-term is you're marketing yourself to generate results quick, right? So to get income into your business quickly. Long-term is more about credibility building, which is important as well because Mm -hmm. that builds up over time as people get exposed to you and then they come and find you later. But in the beginning, the short term is more important because without that income, without that experience of coaching, you're not going to get very far. Oh, yeah. So the long term (laughs) credibility isn't going to have quite as big of a punch. So what might somebody do Like, what are some examples of things that they could do to build that short-term bang that brings people to them? Okay, so short-term strategies include personal reach-outs. So a lot of people say to me, oh, but Sarah, I don't have a big network. And (laughs) I'm going to say everyone has a bigger network than they think they do. So utilize that, get creative. And then think about how you're going to reach out to that network and what you're going to say to them, what you're going to offer them. Again, that should be strategic, not just randomly sending out loads of emails being like, hey, I'm a new coach, help. Yeah, <laughs> what, what might be what might be a, a single strategy that somebody could use that is strategic and isn't just sort of throwing spaghetti on the wall? Like what might be an example of something you would encourage one of your clients to do? Have conversations. So get someone into a conversation and then figure out whether there's scope for you to help them or whether they know anyone that in their network that you might be able to help. And then you get them into some kind of coaching experience session, you make an offer. It's as simple as that. Does not have to be like this crazy thing. You do not need to say to everyone that you speak to, I'm a new coach, help me. (laughs) Because I think a lot of people come from that vibe, but it's just not attractive. I was going to say, it's not a vibe that's magnetic. It's not at all a vibe that's magnetic. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's not. So that's one example. You can also use social media strategically by doing direct outreach. I know a lot of people that find that really scary. I have always done it on LinkedIn. It's the number one thing that 
I use to get to six figures. I know there is a lot of spam out there, but you need to find your authentic voice and your authentic messaging. Because essentially, again, the idea is the same. It's to extend your network and to have conversations with people. So that would be another example of proactive outreach. Another type of proactive outreach, strategic partnerships. So can you partner with venues where your ideal client hangs out? Can you partner with like networking events where your ideal client goes mm-hmm. and do some kind of workshop or something like that? Where so- you're offering a value. You're saying your audience, the people that come into your venue or the people who, you know, that you have a monthly meeting, do you need a speaker for your monthly meeting kind of thing? Or do you, for, for people who, so if you are trying to get into organizations audience and, and you know that there's an HR organization that has a monthly meeting and they look for speakers for that monthly meeting, and you want to get in front of those HR decision makers, that might be something that you reach out to and say, hey, I offer a talk about XYZ that I know is a pain point for your audience. I would love to be able to give them some food for thought or some resources or whatever. That's the kind of thing Sarah's talking about. Bring your value forward in a way that is a win-win, not a please help me because I'm a new coach and I need things. (laughs) Instead, it's here's something that I could offer that would bring value to the people who you're trying to serve, XYZ person. Yes, uh, 100%. And with one caveat, though, because a lot of people that I've spoken to have said to me, oh, but I've done this and I've done that and no one does anything at the end of it and it doesn't work. That could be A, because you haven't structured whatever it is that you're doing in the right way to get people to want more from you. Or it could be simply, in some cases, you don't make an offer at the end. You just finish your talk and you're like, okay, bye. You can, <laughs> you can contact me if you need, but bye. Um, you know, it, it's a case of if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't structure something in the same way, Uh, sorry, in the right way, rather, you probably won't get it. So you've got to think carefully before you write something off as not working, whether actually if you tweaked it, it could be really powerful. Because I think a lot of people are just quick to say, oh, I'll give up because it's not working. Versus let me look at what I'm doing and what parts aren't working. Exactly. Yes. And if something really isn't working after like three months, fine, but Mm -hmm. do it consistently for three months, tweak it before you get to that Mm -hmm. assumption. That part that you had about really having a strong call to action, I think is, is often a piece that's left out. Like, uh, you know, I go and I do speaking engagements or I bring all this value and I'm not getting any response to that, really thinking about people aren't going to automatically connect the dots. I mean, we might think, well, of course, the audience is going to know that I would like to work with them or whatever. But really, I mean, do they really, that's extra like mind space there that maybe we need to be creating a really clear call to action. So when you write for the publications that you write for, or when you work with clients who are out there speaking, 
What are some examples of a clear call to action that you would encourage them to use? Okay, so I'm going to differentiate publications then, because for me, that was always a long term marketing strategy. So as I said, you know, in the beginning, short term is more important. If you want, why not incorporate one long term strategy in? So for me, that was writing for publications. But what that means for me is when I speak to people, they're like, oh, right, that's interesting. I loved your article about whatever. Um, That's really cool. So it it lends that element of credibility, which makes it easier to convert. Um, However, if we're talking about speaking, and you obviously have to be a bit careful about uh, aligning expectations here. So if you are being paid to come in as a speaker to speak on a particular topic, again, that's great for long-term credibility, especially if you're a really good speaker. Um, but you might not get to make Sell an offer from the at stage. the end. Right, right. Exactly. Although you may get that. So it depends on, you know, who you're speaking, what you're speaking on. If you're doing something more intimate, then you can structure it in a way that you can make an offer in the end. So if we're talking about, say, you're doing an online webinar for an organization, that is the kind of thing where you can structure it to get value, to give value rather, and then you make an offer in the end. If you're doing it in person as well, you can do it in the same way. But if you know that for you, it's a short-term marketing thing and that's what you want to get out of it, you need to look for partnerships where that can happen and where they're open to that kind of relationship. And then it's, it might be, you know, really there's, there's several tools now. I mean, you could, you could text, um, have people respond, um, like maybe you're offering a tool for, for something that you're talking about and you get permission in advance from the, the platform that I'm going to give them an opportunity to get a download and, and you, there's text tools that you can capture people's information and make an offer from that. You could make an offer specifically for a strategy call or a, what do you, you call it? A coaching experience call. I love that. A coaching experience session. It's what I did at the beginning, actually. Mm-hmm. And I did that very intentionally because I was at the beginning, I was like, hey, I love quit coaching. I want to coach. And I can also make an offer again at the end. So like it's win-win. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did at the beginning. Now I call it either a discovery or a consultation call. But, you know, it again, what you do slightly depends on where you're at and what you're actually looking to achieve. Because for a lot of new coaches, what I find is they spend an awful lot of time being around other coaches and coaching other coaches to get coaching practice all of that jazz. And that's all very well, but why not just go and work with, (laughs) why not go and work with the people that you actually want to work with and get experience that way. And then through that, like that really built up confidence beginning for me because A, I was like, wow, I'm actually good at this. Awesome. And secondly, people would actually pay me to do this this when I make an offer. So yeah, it was just, it was a real confidence boost at the beginning, but it wouldn't say, have happened yeah. if I hadn't put myself out there to, to my network. So what I'm hearing that is, is you got to step into the discomfort. You've got to step into the, the big gulp experience of, 
okay, I'm, I'm going to find, I'm going to hang with my audience, the people that I really want to coach, and I'm going to offer them this experience and then step into really asking them, inviting them into my world and asking them to work with me, which can be scary. And at the same time, if you don't do that, you're never going to know. And you're never going, then you're going to be in that place of spin. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that some of you are, who are listening are in that place of fear of stepping into, I'm really asking people to work with me. I'm really asking, inviting people into that, to that place. But that's the only way to build the business that you want to have. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, Meg, when I first started my business, I did not even have a website. And yet people spend days, months, weeks, dare I say even years, <laughs> working on their website um, because it's comfortable and safe, right? Like right. no one's going to reject you like if you're just sitting there working on your website. And so, you know, Either you're doing stuff like that, or you're doing more qualifications, or you're doing 100 different things at once. And there's very little you need to focus on in the beginning other than refining your offer, refining the value that you provide to people, and the language you use to convey that. Because I think a lot of coaches kind of try and convey what coaching is. And like, honestly, clients don't care. They care about like, what does this mean? Yeah. You know, what are what, the results? Yeah. Yeah. What's the value here? Then you focus on, you, you know, who do you want to work with? Where do I find these people? And you focus on conversations and coaching. That's it. It's nothing else. Really? There is nothing else. One of the things we had talked about was letting go of the excuses. And I think that those, those things that you talked about, how we can get caught up in, okay, when I get my website, just so then I'll go out. Or when, I, when I'm super clear about X, Y, and Z, then I'll reach out. And what I'm hearing you say, Sarah, is you know, let go of the theoretical or the, you know, uh, yes, I think I need this and this and this and this to be perfect. And that, that is a trap that can keep us caught for months, weeks, or weeks, months, years. And that's not, it's just, it's getting in front of those people that you really want to work with. Yeah, because that's, then it stops being a theoretical exercise. So it's no good thinking about your offer as a theoretical concept until you start coaching people. And I mean, paid coaching, not just loads of pro bono work. Um, Then you won't kind of really hone in on who you want to work with or what exactly are the main results that you tend to get for these people. And that's the other thing, you know, we talk about the results you get. And it's not until you've, you've really coached real clients who who pay you for the coaching that you begin to see the thread that runs through and what are those results that you get. And the more you get that and the more then the confidence builds. And so it's it sort of it's a staircase that builds on itself, huh? Yes, it's it become. I don't even know if this is the right expression, self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> but I can kind of see that, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. It just it just builds up, and then the more people you talk to, then momentum starts, and then when momentum starts, it all becomes a bit easier. And of course, you're less scared about reaching out to people because you've been doing it like ah. What was I so worried about? Yes. If someone sent me like a nasty message one day on LinkedIn, yeah, whatever, who cares? 
I'd like to clarify, though, even though I use LinkedIn a lot, I've had maybe 10 people in like two years send me any kind of message that was like vaguely offensive. So again, okay. don't, tell, don't tell yourself the story that, oh my God, people- If I reach mean- out, people are going to be mean to me or you probably get ignored more than mean to. I mean, like- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you, and yet you're also going to get people who are interested and need what you offer. Um, so, you know, I'm always kind of struggling with cause, cause I'm not fond of getting a bunch of sort of spam or, but I also know that there's messages that people are reaching out to me authentically. So I, and you mentioned be your authentic self. Yes. A hundred percent. Because like, um, a lot of the people that do engage me are like, oh, I don't usually reply to messages, but actually I really liked your message. And I always find out from those people, oh, what exactly did you like about that? Because that's really good information to know. Um, People don't object to making connections. They object to being spammed. So, Or just being like the minute you say yes, well, I have a service to sell to you versus like building the relationship. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for example, I... I myself get so many spam messages on LinkedIn, mostly about the crypto space recently. (laughs) Oh, isn't that interesting? (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, if I'm not interested, I ignore it. So Sarah, we have talked about some of the do's and some of the don'ts, and we've, we've talked about being authentic. As our time is running out today, any like final message or uh, thing that we, we've left that you want to be sure that we address as we close out our interview? So I just want to say to any coach looking to build their business, there is no one way of doing things. Yes, there are proven strategies. Yes, there are proven roadmaps, which I use and which my clients use. But that should be personalized to you and what you're looking to achieve and your strengths and what you resonate with. And that's where the magic happens. So important. So good. Sarah, if people want to know more about you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So you can connect with me via my website, which is sarahsabin.com. S-A-R-A. Oh, that's okay. No, we'll we'll, we'll have the link for that. that. Yeah, we'll have the link for that in the show notes for today's episode. So that's awesome. And Sarah, thank you. And what else? What else did you want to add? And um, I also have a free gift for your listeners, which is my guide on six myths about building a six figure coaching business and what to do instead. Oh, excellent. We will definitely have the link for that in the show notes as well. Sarah, thank you for that. That is a very valuable gift. You're very welcome. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation today, Meg. Thank you I so did much as for well. having me. Thank you for joining us. Okay, so I'm going to challenge you to break through the noise and really find your own authentic voice. I want to thank Sarah Sabin again for joining the show. If you'd like to connect with Sarah or grab that freebie that she offered, go to starcoachshow.com slash 291, starcoachshow.com slash 291, and all the links for connecting with Sarah will be there along with the link to 
my final mentor program for 2022. So starcoachshow.com slash 291. In her members only bonus question, which will be available in our soon to be released membership site, Sarah talked about how she helps coaches build confidence so that they can step into their place in the world and confidently sort of embrace what they do. Super good. That's going to be available. So keep your ears open for that. Next week, I am delighted to welcome Anique Clements. Anique is the Strategic Development Director for the International Coaching Federation. And she is going to be talking to us about what it means to be a part of a global organization, the considerations for that, and the benefits of that. We had a great conversation. And I'm just going to ask you, what do you really know about the global ICF? And what can you learn and benefit from? So that is next week's show. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please share it with a friend and rate and review the show so that more coaches can find it. There are so many different platforms that people can be listening on that wherever you listen, if you can leave a review, that would be so appreciated. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success, for your health and well-being. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.